Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Vaga Maradian. This podcast version of our interview is brought to you by L3 Technologies. Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Vaga Maradian here in Tampa, Florida to cover the National Defense Industrial Association's annual SOFIC conference and trade show, where our coverage is sponsored by FLIR Systems. We're over here at the UK uh, Pavilion to talk to Stephen Scott of MBDA, uh, Europe's uh, missile systems, Europe's leading uh, missile maker. Uh, you're uh, the guy who envisions the future battle space, the future battlefield, uh, to sort of think through what are the kind of technologies and systems uh, that the company's uh, got to develop, and I do want to get your views on that. But first, I want to ask you about the Enforcer uh, system. Uh, that's a um, an anti-tank or anti-armor or, uh, or anti-materiel weapon uh, that's fire and forget, but just under uh, a, a javelin. Uh, you guys are developing that. Uh, Germany's got a requirement. You want uh, guys are going to propose that for that competition. Talk to us a little bit about the Enforcer system and why you think it's necessary and unique uh, on a future battlefield. Sure. So Enforcer is a multi-purpose battlefield weapon. Uh, very much giving you the levels of precision and the effects that you might traditionally employ uh, anti-tank guided weapons for, but without the need for the uh, increased cost and increased mass of anti-tank guided weapons. So um, it has a multi-target multi set, um, moving targets, um, as well as counter-defilade capability as well, and it can have those effects out to a uh, two kilometer range. And uh, what sort of uh, form uh, and fit factor and cost factor are you shooting for? Because the Javelin's a very good weapon, but it is a bit on the large side. Uh, it's precise, but it's also heavy, uh, and it's also much longer range than that. But talk to us a little bit about the size, weight, cost envelope that you guys are trying to shoot for to try to make it uh, attractive on the market. Sure, so um, in terms of mass, we're, we're very much looking to uh, about 11 kilograms all up. That includes the site. The missile itself's got a seven kilogram mass. Um, in terms of cost, um, we're sort of aiming to sit somewhere between an anti-tank guided weapon at the top end and then um, unguided uh, infantry rounds, uh, you know, um, at, at the bottom, at the lower end. Yeah. And um, how are you getting uh, the package down? You've got the missile canister uh, and then the optics and the, and the site. Talk to us about uh, the sort of unique method you're using uh, to pair these things together to try to take as much cost out of the system. Yeah, sure. So it's very much a cost-driven uh, cost uh, development. Um, and it's required us to come up with some innovative ways to get the subsystem cost down, uh, but also to get the mass and volume down. Uh, while still uh, retaining the level of precision that you would expect from one of our products. And uh, and how are you doing that, for example? So this, the site, the tube is separate from the site? Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, the tube uh, acts as an environmental seal for the missile. Uh, so once you fire the missile, you can dispose of the tube. Um, and uh, the site is reusable, so that can be used multiple times uh, as well. So um, it essentially helps reduce the burden on the infantryman, um, and, uh, which is obviously quite an important thing to, to try and aim for. Um, and uh, talk to us a little about uh, the upcoming competition in, in Germany, uh, and who are the competitors you're going up against for that contract? Germany, uh, like all the countries in Europe, are on uh, a bit of a spending spree. Uh, everybody's investing more money in part because of concerns uh, about Russia. Uh, tell us a little bit about that program, because you guys have been developing this weapon for the last couple of years and have been in firing tests for a while as well. Yeah, so um, we've we've uh, been internally funding the development of the Enforcer system uh, for a couple of years now. Uh, we're expecting it to be a qualified product 
uh, by next year, towards the end of 2019. Um, and obviously we're, we're looking at a number of markets, one of which is uh, a German uh, requirement for both special forces and infantry, but also we're seeing that same requirement emerge uh, from a number of countries, um, both in Europe and, and, uh, and outside of Europe as well. So uh, we're, we're seeing quite a strong, uh, strong demand for, for this kind of lower level capability with, with the same precision and effects. And uh, what about the, the U.S. market? Obviously, you're here at uh, Suffolk. Uh, a, a lot of uh, you know pre premier special operations show probably in the world. Um, tell us the kind of uh, competitions and opportunities you see in the United States, and what opportunities do you see uh, for partnership? Uh, should the customer want you know not not just U.S. manufacturing, which has always been an American prerequisite, uh, but also American componentry seekers and the like, uh, because that's also another preference. The United States often uh, attaches to programs. Yeah, ab absolutely, and, and we fully recognize uh, that latter point that you've just made. So the Enforcer system's got a modular architecture. Uh, we've designed that in from the beginning. So should uh, customers specify that they want uh, domestic seekers or domestic warheads, that's absolutely something we can accommodate and we've looked into. Um, in terms of manufacturing, MBD uh, has a manufacturing facility in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, and so if, if we did see an emerging requirement from the US customer, um, then we would almost certainly look to manufacture uh, at that facility there um, and use uh, US supply chain wherever possible. Um, in terms of uh, broader interest, why are we here at Suffolk? Well, it's biggest special forces conference uh, in the world. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of US attendees, but, you know, there's dozens and dozens of other countries here. Um, and, uh, and, and special forces, I think, would, uh, would make very good use of such a capability as Enforcer. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit about how you envision the battlefield of the future, because that's actually your, your full-time job with the, yeah. with the company. Uh, you know, what uh, uh, governments around the world are trying to look at a peer competition, future battlefield with high-end systems, but also a lot of subversion, a lot of hybrid, a lot of cyber, uh, a lot of electronic warfare. Uh, in many respects, trying to win without fighting as well. How do you how do you see the battlefield of the future, and how is MBDA positioning itself? in that battlefield of the future in terms of the investments you're making. I think we have evidence of one of them right here. But talk to us about what you envision that future fight looking like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we do a lot of analysis um, uh, as to what we think the future battlefield might look like. Um, and clearly, you know, there's quite a broad spectrum of potential future conflicts um, that our armed forces may be involved with, you know, from counterinsurgency and, and peacekeeping operations, right, up to full peer-on-peer uh, -peer conflict or, or near-peer conflict conflict as well. And, and it, it can be a challenge to try and design weapon systems that cover that entire breadth of, uh, of uh, requirement space, really. Um, as well as that, you know, the environment, not just the geographical environment, uh, but the we talk about complex contexts of future conflict um, and very much, uh, you know, an increased emphasis on, um, on urban warfare um, is something that is particularly challenging. Um, that's not to say, of course, that non-urban warfare will not feature because it almost certainly will. Um, but, um, you know, certainly dense urban environments, uh, especially ones that may have have civilian populations there, um, you know, are very, very challenging ones in which to work. And, and we're, that drives a lot of the requirements 
requirements um, for our future weapon systems that we have in development today. Um, precision is an obvious, uh, an obvious one, um, and certainly uh, improving precision wherever possible. Um, but but it's 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 also part of uh, the full kill chain. So right right from the very beginning, where you find your target, fix it, track it, engage it, right through to doing battle damage assessment. Actually, being able to do that a lot quicker is is a is a very important thing going forward. Um, so trying to just step through that kill chain as quickly as possible allows you to keep the tempo of operations up, allows the, the soldier or the infantryman uh, to have greater agility um, and, uh, and potentially uh, improve, the, uh, improve the outcome of a conflict as well. And, and do things like anti-jam uh, and other sort of features become more important, do you think, in that future battle space? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I fully expect, you know, cyber is, is obviously a thing that a lot of people are talking about at the moment. Um, and uh, at jamming and electronic warfare is a, is, a big, uh, is a big thing. And it's something that we just need to be mindful of so that we design weapon systems that are robust to those sort of uh, countermeasures that we may come up against in the future. Stephen Scott, uh, the man who at MBDA, uh, NBDA Missile Systems mines uh, the future battle space. Thanks very much for taking time with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you.